Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 50. I'm Eric the Biggie. Happy Thanksgiving week. And you know what I'm thankful for? Both my other co-hosts are here. Not quite in person. Ramsey, you are here in person. How are you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. And joining us via Zoom at home, the coach, Justin Dahl. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing there, Big E, Ram Jam? How's it going? How How's life over there in the Big Green Bay? It's pretty the busy. Beer. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's pretty busy. busy. But we are broadcasting right. from the Minger True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio here, as Justin mentioned, in De Pere, Wisconsin. Big episode. Lots of stuff happened this week. As always, we'll break it all down as best as us three idiots can without sucking too hard. So <laughs> with that, we talk about our partners. We got our fuckers over. No, 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 no. That's staying in. That's staying in. <laughs> we got our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight, which, again, putting money in your pocket with these contests. Ramsey, I played some touchdown dance yesterday. Did you? Did you score big on the touchdown dance? I did. That was a big dub for me. Times four multiplier. Devonte Adams, Delvin Cook, and AJ Dillon didn't even need AJ Dillon. M- money, money, money in your pocket. You could have won the times six multiplier, which is Jonathan Taylor yesterday. So good for yeah, him. What a day! Holy Christ! So you you follow along with us. You you listen to Eric and Rams and sometimes Justin. You know, it's even though he's like 18, 19 months between appearances, but you listen to uh, the back show. Back to back weeks, Eric. I said sometimes. Said sometimes. But you listen to the show, we'll put money in your pocket with those contests. Also, our friends over at Raise Energy, repsports.com. Big Black Friday sale. It's already going on. And on top of that, 15% off any order. Code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. That's code ROOT4, 15% off any order. On top of the great deals I already have going on. And Ramsey, I finally got the new flavor, the berries and cream. Berries and cream. Berries and cream. Do you know what it tastes like? It tastes like those cream saver candies that they used to have that they're just coming back now. Oh, like grandma always used to have? And yeah. Yeah. Those are so good. And there a is lozenge, some here in my fridge. I believe is what's called. A what? A lozenge. Yeah, lozenge. Look at, look at you. So I've been, watching, I've been watching Jeopardy <laughs> right before I came here. All fired up and ready to go. <laughs> So, Jeopardy sucks. You know who really just sucks? because you get the questions wrong, Justin, doesn't mean it sucks. Like, <laughs> come on, Jeopardy sucks. I mean, come on, it's iconic. Need show. to be like there should be like a a, a sports Jeopardy. There was, if, you know, if you remember attention. that you liked uh, what was that? The Schwab. I know what you're talking about. You it was stump, stump. Oh, are you saying? Uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I think that's no oh. stump the Schwab. I think you're right. that was that was our version of Jeopardy. That's true. Yeah, it was a great show. So that one's that okay, un- and you still didn't get most of those questions right, but that one's no. okay. Oh. <laughs> that guy was that guy. I mean, he's answering questions like, "Who was a uh, roster of a conference finals team in 1976?" We're talking about are you smarter than a like, Justin? Jeff Fox was not thirteen guys. <laughs> Yeah, we're not. We're we're talking about. And his name was Schwab. We're we're talking about. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Was this pre or post nineteen eighty four? Not. I remember this very loosely. It was like two thousand two. It was on ESPN Classic all the time. 
back when that was. Oh a thing. yeah, and another I loved great yes, channel, channel that. Yeah, why did they ever get rid of that? I don't. I'm not an executive at ESPN and Disney. Well, you know, ESPN shit the bed quite a bit in about 2009, 9 to thirteen, somewhere in that range. It was after two thousand nine because two thousand nine was the when they started making all those thirty for thirties. It was the renaissance of ESPN. And then they had all their good personalities leave, and now it's a bunch of shitheads. Yeah, that ESPN. That ESPN. Oh, uh, except College Game Day. I'm still a big fan of that, but that's really about it. Yeah, that's the rest of it's a pile of hot dog shit. Well, as we're sitting here with the Monday Night Football game on, and I would watch it anywhere else that we're able to. I do enjoy the Manning cast. It's kind of fun. Anyway, partners, MuggyKnifeFight.com, Raise Energy, Rep Sports, great stuff going on there. And with that, we start off with what we always start off with, what we're rooting for, sponsored by Fanatics. Whether your team's on top of the world, maybe you're a Badger fan, big win for the basketball team, another seventh straight win for the football team, we'll get to more of that later. Or, you know, Packers took a loss this week, but you guys still show your love for your team. Cool. And that's fanatics.com, hashtag love on, show your love for your team. Justin, what did you root for this week? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the big badger win today. It got pretty ugly, uh, for the, for the basketball team and ended up being a, just a phenomenal, um, turnaround of a game to where it was a big win against a four and oh buzz Williams led team. That name should sound familiar to Wisconsin Knights, the former Marquette head coach. Um, just a great Good win that's going to take them a long way when it comes March and it's time to get into the uh, the tournament. Uh, just a, a great turnaround. They were down 16-4 to four at one point. Turned around and won this game today by 11 points. Is just, uh, you know, Johnny Davis was outstanding. So that's what I rooted for. They did great. The Badger football team did great. Uh, well, I wouldn't say great, but got the job done. Um, yeah, that Marquette made it to the finals and in their, uh, in their little Turkey day tournament that they went to and took her on the chin, but you know, all in all, uh, Wisconsin sports was pretty good this week. So, yeah, I'm going to use my route for just to add on just a touch here. Uh, the green Bay Phoenix men, they are actually Owen five on the year. They've played some great basketball though. Games that are going to benefit them down the stretch. Uh, yesterday they played Weaver State in the kind of the final game of the Jersey Mike's Bahamas Classic or Jamaica Classic. And Ramsey, Justin, the most infamous or most famous, I should say, Weaver State alum. Who is it? Ramsey, go ahead. I know this. Uh, I was going to say Damian Lillard. It is Damian Lillard. Oh, Ah. correct. And uh, they had, (coughs) had some mention of Damian Lillard. I guess he's still very involved with the college. Uh, they have a Marquette transfer there as well. Uh, Green Bay, and this is guess kind of what I'm going to mention here for those of you degenerates who are not probably worse degenerates than me and Ramsey. Green Bay four and one against the spread early this season, nice. uh, playing some very tight games with some very you know opponents that are projected to be better than them. They're going to put together a complete game here. Just got to learn, as Will Ryan said, learn how to win together. You know, you look at these guys, guys who have won in the past. And will win here. Just got to learn how to do it in green and white. So 
the growth of that team is going to be really fun to watch throughout the season. Very, you know, kind of one of those teams where you're not quite sure what to expect. A lot of younger guys, some transfers. Um, really curious to see how they are in year two with Will Ryan's system. And then, as always, the Green Bay women, uh, they actually split the series over the weekend and their first weekend of Horizon League basketball, with Horizon League getting underway way earlier this year. Uh, and they're going to kind of dip in between non-conference and conference play for the month of December and end of November here. But Green Bay women will be traveling out to Las Vegas this week. They will be playing Oklahoma State on Friday. So some big-time women's college hoops going on, uh, if you're paying attention to that. So plenty of Green Bay basketball to root for as well. I would absolutely hate flying to Vegas and, like, having to go do, like, actual stuff. Like, having to go to work. That would suck. Yeah, I, I'm glad I don't have to work in Las Vegas right now. Like, you, you can't go there and have fun. Well, you could go and have fun. But if you're there on, like, a basketball tournament, yeah, that would suck. Well, like, the, so the Green Bay men, they were in... Uh, they went to Eckerd College because usually it's in uh, Jamaica. And because of COVID the last two years, they did not have it in Jamaica. They will be back next year. And Green Bay will be back in that tournament next year. Uh, that was announced yesterday formally. But next year it will be back in Jamaica. So big stuff there. Um, but, yeah, could you imagine having to go to a tournament and, like, I mean, the announcers and stuff like that, they get to work a little bit for, you know, a couple of days and then they get to have some fun and, the teams get to have a little bit of fun, but you're there on a business trip. I, yeah. I don't know if that's for me. The worst business trip you could possibly go on. And with that, Ramsey, what did you root for this Nothing. week? Nothing. There's no reason. <laughs> I'm still just taking the, the Grinchy route of not having something positive. No positive. You could have talked about the uh, the sprint car race that both Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson were in. Sure could have. That's racing. You said there's no racing. There was racing. Not any relevant racing. I'll go. I'll concede that. What? I'll concede Wasn't it that. USAC? USAC doesn't mean that's relevant. Justin just throwing terms around. We could go do USAC cool. if we really wanted to. You should do USAC. Can you even fit in a USAC car? I probably We're could. We're all pretty big boys. I'm, I'm going to just throw this out there. If Boris said can fit I'm into a... I'm not fitting in a USAC car. I'm going to throw this out there. If Boris said can fit into a NASCAR race car, we can fit into a stuff, like a sprint car. It'd be close. No, that's not a sprint car. I don't that's care. That's like a... That thing is small. I'm just saying. Do you realize those things are like 970 horse? Yeah, you that's how, what I mean. I know, it's insane. How can you not like that racing? I didn't watch it because it wasn't real. fly, man. The next big thing is the Snowball Derby, and it's coming up in, in December, in I, December I believe. Just waiting around for that. Waiting yeah. around for the Snowball Derby. All right, so we know where Rams is at. What do you get that on? Flow Racing or something uh, like that? It was Speed 51. I just got the email. They just got bought out to... Um, I'll the email in front of me. What used to be Speed 50 or 151, and then now it got bought out by... Speaking of old channels that aren't... We were just talking about ESPN Classic, but the Speed Channel, that was always a good channel, too. I Speed Channel was great. Away. I love Speed yeah, Channel. Yeah, Speed Channel was good. 
Sorry. I didn't mean to divert the conversation, but we weren't really having one. It was here, guys. No, I was just a little butt hurt that there's no. Uh, <laughs> there's it is no... Formula One's heating up a little bit, so we'll probably watch that the next two weeks. Yeah, you know what buddy. sucks about Formula One though is that's on at like three a.m. That's rough. That is rough. And it's. I don't like Formula One. I love Formula One. I just can't get up to watch Formula One. Do you know what I mean? Like. Especially, I believe the race was in Qatar last week, and it it started at like one a.m. our time. It's Racing America, by the way. It's Racing America. Racing America, powered by Speed Fifty One TV. Yeah, little free promotion for them. So that'll be where you can watch Snowball Derby. There you go. The entry list seems a little bit lackluster this year, but we'll I guess see if that changes. Usually, it does a few weeks before the race, but. I know I sent it to you guys, but while we're speaking of racing, did you see Alex Bowman's car in the, what was it, like the 2.4 hours of... Yeah, of, uh, did you see that Cleus McFarlane was also doing the Danger Ranger 2000? I did not. If but... you guys aren't following Cleus McFarlane on any of his platforms, go follow him now. You will not regret it. But Alex Bowman with the... I, I can't, it's like the 2.4, they try to copy Le Mans, but it's not, it's not even like the Lemons race either. But he, it's, you basically take a junk street car, he put the 48 on it, put hack on the back window, it was awesome. Well, he ran uh, the Freedom 500 last year. He did. With Whistle and Diesel and uh, Diesel Performance and all sorts of guys. That's another, go follow Cleo's McFarlane, you won't regret it. I, I gotta say, while we're just talking about racing here and I do love how, especially kind of, I mean, for especially with um, maybe just cause paying attention to it a little bit more, but how many of these bigger drivers are like going to these smaller events well, that good. are big events for the, the smaller sports? I mean, we talked about last year when we went to uh, the Dixieland 250 at uh, WIR, and now the, even this year uh, to watch Ty Majeski. And we've had, you know, or it was Kyle Busch last year. This year it was Eric Almarola and William Byron. And that's a very consistently a couple guys a year. You look at the snowball race last year, it was Chase Elliott. Kyle Busch. Well, the snowball has a big turnout. But that's because, remember we talked last week about how NASCAR contracts aren't what they used to be? Right. So in the contracts, what's been fortunate for a lot of these guys, there's a lot more freelancing going on. Right. And there's a lot more freedom in contracts. Like Jeff Gordon for the longest time, wasn't even able to run Bush Series races because it was against his contract. Right. So now you have people, and I don't know if you saw that, Kyle Larson was talking about getting an F1 car for the rookie test out in Qatar this weekend for yeah. Formula 1. And that's that's what I'm kind of getting at here is just how many of these, these owners are even kind of letting these guys do the contracts that way. I don't know if it maybe just because of the money thing uh, where they don't have to pay them as much because they're making winnings elsewhere, but... You know, you look at Kyle Larson really kind of being the... I mean, Chase Elliott did run the snowball last year, but Kyle Larson kind of being the first Hendrick driver with as much freedom. Um, and that was actually a really big deal that Hendrick let him race every week this summer, basically. Yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't a thing at Hendrick for the longest time. So just kind of letting... Like I said, just kind of expanding that that way. So with all that said, uh, we go from the positives to the negatives, and we go to the Tyler Hero Nugget of the Week, and I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going after TV broadcasters. And I do want to not 
kind of completely bury my fellow broadcasters out there. You can't. There's that many good ones. Especially, you know, considering how much, like, I mean, you're covering a team for a week. And it's, you know, you you have to get new stories each week. You have to spend a little bit of time with these these teams and whatnot to kind of get chemistry and have something to talk about. Especially in some of these games, like, that we've been to and we've seen. Where the game gets kind of on a hand, you have to start relying on stories and such. But if I hear Braylon Allen being 17 years old more than two or three times a game, or... Jesus. I'm, it's just overkill. Like, get talk to the guy. Find something to talk about with him. Besides the fact that he can't open a bank account. Or have any fun in Madison. Totally agree. Totally agree. And it's, it's cliche. It's the first thing they say. It's the second thing they say. It's the third thing they say. This guy should be a senior. This guy is 17 years old. Last spring, he was playing for Final Act High School. Get over like the best part of them covering Braylon Allen last week was when they showed the video of him lifting 610 pounds in the box or in, in a regular squat. And like, that was the best part of their coverage. Of me. And I had to, I, I remember a couple of weeks back when the Packers played the chiefs and they kept talking about Jordan love. And I, I am one of the few minority people here in Wisconsin that probably enjoy Joe Buck calling games. I think he's really talented at what he does. I like Joe Buck. I don't like Troy Aikman. No, I, right. But even Joe the Buck amount of times that Joe Buck said, young Jordan Love, like, is that his rap name? Does he have a mixtape coming out? What's going on? Or the old one that we talked about before. I, I'm sure that this guy is enjoying all the Braylon Allen talk, but... You remember every time that Jake Ferguson had a catch for the Badgers? Hey, that's Barry Alvarez's grandson. Hey, every time, too. every time he every got targeted, time. looked at, made a block, it was every single time. And just like Justin said, it's cliche. It's it's overkill. In fairness to the broadcast, there's not a lot of whole interesting personalities in Wisconsin right now from the Wisconsin Badger football team. But we don't know that because all they talk about is like, like I said, you gotta talk to these yeah, guys for know. a day. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's not those the interesting personality that's there. And well, here's, granted, there really shouldn't be. It's not here's really my the, counter to that, Ramsey. And and two things actually. One, as you kind of were probably saying here, technical. I'm mean, well. I guess with the NILs, we can kind of know more about these athletes because before they were just student athletes, right. um, which technically you couldn't even request a player by name for like a post game interview. Technically speaking, the team had to do it. The team had to appoint whoever. But I know that this is false for the Badgers. I mean, remember the game we had gone to against Iowa? They have all the different videos of the athletes and, like, the pronounced Wisconsin cities or trivia questions and, like, the trivia TikTok question of the day or whatever. There's guys with personality on these teams. Yeah. And you can at least get something out of it instead of having to go to that, oh, he's 17 years old, well, time after time after time. I don't disagree. I'm just saying the kids that get recruited to Madison, I would have to imagine, aren't overly interesting people. Like, even look at the Badgers who are in the NFL. Like, Russell Wilson's probably the most notable one. I would say Jonathan Taylor right now, because Jonathan Taylor, they yeah. actually looked at his field of study, and Homie was, uh, he, he's into astronomy. He's yeah. looking at stars and stuff, and he's having conversations with Neil deGrasse Tyson and stuff. That's the stuff you got to talk about and talk to them about their major, their plans. 
But even Russell Wilson's boring. Jonathan Taylor is kind of a boring person. There's just the kind of athletes that get recruited there. They have to be smart. They have to be a little bit boring. They have to be a little bit. And that being a boring person doesn't mean that's a bad thing, but they're not out there running around strip clubs and running away from cops. And they're not the Baker Mayfields in his Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma was interesting. There's nowhere near that in Wisconsin. That's just who those people, that's, you know, the kind of caliber players that they're recruiting, though. But we don't know that. Uh, we do know that. Well, we could say it was pretty different. Because they talk about Braylon Allen for being 17 the entire game. That's the most interesting thing they could find. Or is that a lack of preparation on the broadcast side? I doubt that's the case. I don't, knowing a thing or two about the broadcast world. But it was the easy talking point, right? But It's I, easy. But, but if there was something that was more interesting, they would jump on it right away. Because it would be easier to talk about. Well, in fairness, though, too, I mean, we're watching every game week in, week out, whereas you have, you know, when they're on ABC or they're on ESPN, you can catch a lot of neutral viewers who don't see that every week. But just the fact that they can kind of keep going to that well game or throughout the game even. That's the thing that... That's where it it gets annoying to me. So that's my nugget of the week. Justin Ramsey, who wants to go next? Ramsey. See, yeah. I think I got two, and it's both in the pack game. Eric Stokes and Mason Crosby. Those two cost that so game then, hands down. Yeah. We can get into that later, but those are my two nuggies. Yeah, I have, a, okay. I have a lot on the Mason Crosby thing. and But, okay, Justin, you go ahead. Mine's going to be uh, – I'm going to stay in the college football world. It's going to be in all these major universities – um, making all these decisions on firing their head coaches. Um, and I get it because the, the early signing period is is coming up in a couple weeks. Um, so they, they kind of want to get a head start on who's going to come in and fill. But when, you, when we're talking about the University of Florida and firing Dan Mullen, who took Florida – to the SEC championship game last year. And he's five and six. He's kind of gotten a a, a snowball effect this year on a bad rap about recruiting. And it's his team vibe has kind of went down into the crapper. And just a couple days ago, they fired him. And I, I, I don't understand when this guy has been so good, he's like, I, I believe his stat is he's 34 and 15 at Florida in the SEC, and he's fired. So the, there's just so such high expectations um, within college football. Um, and to do that, I don't know that they're going to find a better coach than what Dan Mullen was. Um, so my, my no-gi of the week is to – uh, I guess specifically the University of Florida for for the firing of Dan Mullen. But how often do you see that, though, where they're even talking about... Um, did they fire the guy at Texas yet? No. But he's on the chopping block, too, right? USC just got rid of their coach. He, I mean, he's he's going to get another year because he's talking about, you know, he's going to dive into the transfer portal. He, you, you're talking maybe... 
40 new players on that roster next year between a new uh, signing class and, and transfers that could make an immediate impact. So. so one thing I'd hit on and why this happens is because there's so much money in college football right now. With You have impatient boosters that see the success pretty much overnight with Alabama and even the continued success with Ohio State Clemson. and Clemson. And there's just so much money floating around right now that people have... I guess not. What I'm trying to get to is that people with money have found that they can throw money at problems and the problems get solved. And that's what they're all trying to do with college football. And that's really not how football as a whole works. You have to get the right... Because people think that football is just about acquiring talent, but it's not necessarily just acquiring talent. It's about requiring, acquiring players that like to work together and want to work towards a common goal. And you can't just throw money at a situation to make that happen. So it's a it's a right. booster issue, and I, I agree a hundred percent with that, Justin. That was that's a that's something that just, the the only thing, and I don't even agree with this per se, but the only thing I would just counter with is you have to have a dynamite head coach lined up <coughs> after if you're going to move on from a very successful coach like Dan Mullen. And I'm not saying this is going to be the case because I know it's not. But the only surefire thing I could think of is if Urban Meyer was coming back. But he's not. He's not. Right. He's not. So you're right. The move is really baffling. And the timing of it, well, like you said, it does make some sense. Aside from one half of a season, or let's call it a full season at this point because we're kind of wrapping up here this week, but... You're not really, I mean, you're not that bad off. I mean, maybe for the expectations of Florida, sure. But Florida hasn't really been relevant since Tebow was there. Right. And that's been a decade now. Right. That's true, too. So I don't understand where these expectations of that we're a top-flight program anymore are even coming from because they're not. Well, they look at, they're in the SEC, which... Well, every program is that way. Every program. I mean, Penn State still looks at themselves that way. But again, they're not. They finished third. Right. I mean, but that's the book. I mean, look at Texas. Texas might, Texas literally might finish last in the Big 12 this year, in last place. And they're paying their coach like $7 million a year because they think that they're relevant. They think that they should be in the national picture, they, they should be in the, in the championship picture. Well, they um, should. And though. watching Oklahoma on paper, they should Oklahoma. be. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Every pro, every school is thinking that way, right? Like Penn State would, should think that way. Hell, even Virginia Tech, who just fired their head coach and Justin Fuente, they think that way. They they still think they have Beamer there. That that they're a ten win team every single year in I a tough ACC, right? So it's it's this is every school that is thinking that way. I mean, hell, even look at us, uh, Wisconsin fans. We're one and three. We were asking for Paul Chris head. I still think we should have Paul Chris. There's way too much fishy shit going on in that organization right now that just doesn't seem right. And I don't know who else to blame at this point. I mean, we were talking about him making. Over $5 million a year. So it's 
it speaks to your point as a as a so much money within college football and results driven. But when you come off of a year where you were playing in your conference championship game with a shot, a slight outside shot, you beat Alabama to make the playoff. And then the next year you're fired at Orgeron at LSU two years ago, won, won the national championship fired this year. Well, I think that's just crazy. I think Ed Orgeron, I love Ed Orgeron, but he was a big benefactor of one of the most successful classes that's ever been in college football. One of the most successful rosters that's ever been in college football for a single season. Yeah, I mean, that's right. But he's also helped build that. No. He was an assistant coach that was their lead recruiter. He helped build that. He was responsible for that. Wasn't Les Miles. (laughs) Les Miles, I forgot about that dude. I was just trying to think, who was there before? Oh, I don't know. I think that the LSU team, though, is something that that team and that roster was arguably the best of all time. That might have been the best cultural team I've ever seen. Single season. Yeah. I mean, they had, what, three NFL receivers, like top flight NFL receivers there at the same time. They had Joe Burrow, who was turning out to be a stud NFL quarterback. and. Transferred in because of Coach O. Yeah, but just because you can recruit, that doesn't mean you can coach. That's a good point. That, and that's, with a, he's got a ring. You know? I, I think I, I can't argue I, with ring. Yeah, I think because I probably could have got a ring that, with that roster. And o, o wasn't, o, Coach O wasn't the one making those play calls either. That was the dude from the Saints, um, the offensive coordinator. No, it was Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Who I think we can all yeah, agree Dave was Miranda. probably the driving force of that offense. I forgot I Joe Brady was going to be one of these guys that gets a, these SEC jobs. He should. Joe Brady, I think, is an amazing coach. Everywhere he goes, they win. Dave Aranda's the head guy Except at Baylor for, right now, isn't he? Baylor, yep. Former Badger defensive yeah. coordinator, wasn't yep. he? He's going to have his choice between LSU and USC. Or yeah. Stan Baylor. It's going to be interesting to see where some of these these jobs get filled from, though. Because even that guy from uh, Penn State. Franklin. Franklin. Has been linked to both those jobs, too. Yep. So I'm just going to give a quick shout out. Um, an Okano alum who was named the interim head coach at Washington State, Jake Dickert. He just got the the Cougars, the Cougs, uh, bowl eligible. Uh, he is now, I believe, three and one or two and two, one of the two, as a head coach uh, in a real tough time to where he had to find four assistants in the middle of a season, and he's gotten them bowl eligible. So, a terrific job done by him, and, and uh, the Ocano alumni are rooting for. For the Washington State Cougs. Well, they got robbed by uh, against Oregon too. That was what they still have an outside shot of of representing their their um, division in, in the conference championship. If Oregon State can beat, if Oregon State can beat Oregon and Washington State can win the Apple Cup this weekend, 
uh, Washington State will be the representative. That Speaking goes of to, the Apple Cup, Washington's another team that just fired their head coach last week too. Yep. Kind of out of nowhere for our little early kind of premature in the season. <laughs> a team that was in the His playoff not too long ago. and Got Boris by Bama, right? Yeah, that was Kevin King's team, which we can get to him more later. But but just, you know, I'm thinking about all these coaching jobs. I mean, this is going to be a fun offseason. And one thing we didn't talk about last week a whole lot, I kind of dropped the ball on this one, Lance Leipold getting that win for Kansas over Texas. He played tough again this week, too. He and they had played. He almost, he almost won. They played pretty tough against uh, Oklahoma a couple weeks back, too, which Oklahoma, I think, is the biggest fraud in the top 10. Well, the Big 12 in general is a fraud. They don't play any defense out there. And anytime they play any team that's somewhat tough, they get smacked around. Them in the Pac 12. <laughs> Did you guys watch that Oregon Utah game? Yes. Utah I, smacked yeah. around Oregon for. I was, and I was going to transition with that, just the weekend of college football. Where and I know we we talked about this quite a bit in our group chat yesterday morning, but just the the change up in the top ten that's going to happen these next two three weeks here or these next really two weeks here, where I think we can say pretty confident in the top three teams, and that fourth team is going to be a real mystery. Bama, I think, Georgia. I, I don't know if Bama's for sure because that would be a two loss Bama team. Unless, unless they beat Georgia. Georgia. When was the last time Georgia beat Alabama? Two years ago. And then didn't three Bama, years ago. Didn't Bama beat them in a national title game? Yes. Two weeks after? Yes. That was three years ago now. Which Georgia should have won that game. I think we can all agree on that, but... Didn't. Didn't. But I'm really curious on... I mean, like I said, we know Georgia as of right now. I, we can pretty confidently say Ohio State. Right. Unless the Badgers knock them off. I don't see Michigan taking care of business. Which, I mean, would you, if Wisconsin, Wisconsin goes to that game 12-point uh, underdog? I'd take the Badgers to cover. I think I'd take the Badgers to cover 12. So I think they can beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State, that, that Badger defense is good. They looked a little rough this week, but. And we'll get to that in our Badger breakdown, but just. I mean, and then Cincinnati, I can't imagine them slipping up. I mean, obviously, if they slip up, then we have a whole lot of chaos. But that fourth spot, is it going to be a two-loss Bama team? Or does Bama knock off Georgia and get in, and then you have two one-loss teams? And do you knock out Georgia at that point for losing the conference championship? No, one-loss Georgia. Georgia, absolutely not. One-loss Georgia gets in before Cincinnati. Yeah, That's the best-case scenario for the SEC. Is a Bama win over Georgia? It's a Bama win over Georgia. That pretty much locks it up. I bet you Georgia Georgia still might be the two seed in that situation. Probably. It'll probably be Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati. Yeah. And who does I'm, Notre Dame have left? They have let me take a look. What? Navy, Army. I USC? feel like USC. Or do they play already? That's a that's a terrible game. Well, we don't USC have to love it. Sucks. We don't have to love it, but what could really get interesting though is if you have a a Michigan upset over Ohio State. Notre Dame has Stanford this week. They're a nineteen point favorite. 
and then they will. That is, that to me, Ramsey, is the only way that they are going to be able to justify leaving Cincinnati out of the top four. If, if Ohio State wins this week, you can lock in Cincinnati. Even with that, I think Cincinnati still makes it. I don't see a situation where Cincinnati doesn't get in at this point. Because they'll have, this week, the old Bearcats, they'll have East Carolina, which they open as a 13-point, or 13.5-point favorite. After, I mean, in, not that this is a good team. Well, not bad. Eight, they were 8-2, but boat raced SMU this weekend. Probably their second best win of the Houston. season. So I don't see Cincinnati not making it at this point. They're probably going to be a four seed, and they're probably going to get smashed by Georgia. But I think pretty much anyone at this point that's smashed by Georgia, Georgia's defense is good. That's a, that's a really good team they have down there in Athens. George, that might be the best defense you've seen in 10 years. Yeah. No, seriously, though, since probably some of those Bama teams from, like, 09 to 2012. Mm-hmm. And even then, in, since then, you're probably looking at, like, those early 2000s Miami teams. Yeah, that's that like defense Sean is Taylor, Ed stout. Reed. Jonathan Vilma. I love those 30 for 30. That's twice when I mentioned 30 for 30 in this, this episode. Those two episodes about the U are two of the best episodes of the 30 for 30s. The like, U hasn't been the same since Dwayne The Rock Johnson was there. They what are you talking about? <laughs> Terrible take, Justin. Terrible. What do you mean? Dwayne The Rock Johnson was the man. Terrible take. It's kind of been kind of soft lately, though. Terrible take. Those early two thousands teams. Didn't the Rock lose to John Cena? Once, yeah. Yeah, he's not the man. By accident. I, I'm not gonna begin to unpack that whole thing, but yeah, so <laughs> let's. Why don't we look at this? You know, we're, we're gonna transition here. Ramsey's Almost radar. Like they knew what was gonna happen. Ramsey's radar. I went zero two again this week. You went zero three this week. It's been tough, dude. You are bad at this. I'm betting fifty point dogs though. <laughs> That's true. Like, you give me a little bit of a break. You I'm, took a nineteen point no way. Spartans team to cover a nineteen point spread, and they got hosed on. They got run out of Columbus. Yeah, I don't bet any close games. Just betting major. That is true. Ramsey, we only do for Ramsey's radar. We only do dog, big dogs, but big dogs. Give me the. But you got crushed in that one. The Badgers didn't cover, and I, I don't even remember what the other game that you picked last week. I think it was. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I I called Nebraska to cover. I thought we all picked Badgers to cover, and then you picked Packers to lose. No, we all I did Packers. You're right. You're right. You got. It. You're right. You're right. You're right. So give me some big dogs this week, and we'll go. Coaches radar. All you really gotta do is hit one of these big dogs, though, and you make all your money back. Okay, so a couple of them here, Ramsey, for you. We've got Georgia eleven and zero over the three and eight Georgia Tech, thirty-five points. Oh, Georgia. Yeah, today. give me Georgia to cover the third. I don't know if. Georgia Tech scores 35. Absolutely. Crafty ass Notre Dame just beat them 55 to nothing. Yeah, give me uh give me Georgia to cover the 35. How about the 10 and 1 
Houston Cougars playing the one in ten Yukon Huskies, thirty-two points. Ooh. Give me the Cougars to cover. Houston to cover. Houston to cover. All right. And then the one that we're going to probably be watching, aside from the Badger game, the closest. How about Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State by eight? Give me Ohio State. I'm going to take Ohio State with giving up the eight. All right. Sidebar. Sidebar, you need to do one more game. It's got to be Nebraska versus Iowa. Iowa's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Nebraska. All right. Now, here, 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 here's, the, here's the thing, Rams. It just came out today that their quarterback is not playing. That's fine. Adrian Martinez is not playing. I, the Iowa team's not very good. I agree. Give me, give me Nebraska. I was impressed with Nebraska, and we can ask him to transition the Badger Report. Why don't you get into the Badger Report, Justin? Uh, just a really a, a really great game that was uh, – well, I think the best part of the game is something that, you know, we get excited about. We, we, have, we have bagged and bagged and bagged on the special teams of even the Packers and the Badgers over the last – uh, how many ever weeks slash year. Um, but to start off that game with a huge kickoff return by Stephen Bracey um, just was phenomenal. The speed on that guy is awesome. Uh, I believe he came out of Michigan as a, as a late commit uh, three-star guy, um, but paid off huge dividends there. Um, the thing that was a little scary, and, and when you're talking about, Going into a, a you know a future battle with Ohio State, who has not arguably, it's definitely the best offense in college football, with three potential first-round draft pick wide receivers um, on that roster playing right now, uh, and and potentially a first-round draft pick in tight end down the road in two years. Um, the way that Nebraska was able to pick on Bayon Hicks uh, on one side of the field and really put their um, best receiver on him and, and even that first two drives just go down the field and answer right away was a little alarming. Um, the pass rush was a little alarming. Um, wasn't getting home uh, as much as you would like to see for uh as good of a team as we think we have uh, against a three and seven team. Uh, you know, I, I rolled my eyes a lot because over the coverage of the day or over the coverage of uh, a few days before the game was uh, the saying that Nebraska might be the best three and seven team ever. Um, the way they played, you know, they, they kind of lived up to that title because they, you know, Outside short of, of uh, pass interference call at the end, they really should have sent that game uh, into overtime at the very, at the very least. So uh, just a, a good gutsy win that you didn't really depend on your defense to do it for you. Uh, Braylon Allen is, uh, 17. I don't know if you guys know this he's, or not. He's 17. He's 17. Wow. He's from Fond du Lac. He can, 
he could squat 610 pounds. I heard and, he should have been know. playing the state championship last weekend. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can't open a bank account. Um, I heard he can't go to strip club. He can't even go and get a Costco card yet. Um, so there's there's all those things. But uh, he, 228 yards, I believe, last week. Just the guy is flashing Jonathan Taylor type ability. Um, I think he's better with than Ron Taylor. Dane sign. With Ron Dane size, uh, you know, he's just he's going to be you know he's going to be the latest in in the great backs that Wisconsin has produced. The one thing that I'm going to flip on is that this offensive line outside of pass protection on the left side with Tyler beach has really come into its own has really started to find its rhythm, uh, especially in, in the run blocking, obviously, but when you're able and in this guy, Joe Titman, who's playing center, he's going to be the next best one coming out. Um, but when you're able to pull, your center for a, a outside run and he's your lead blocker. That says something about your, what yeah. they believe in, what they have there. So uh, I, I think you're really starting to see them hit their stride. Uh, and, you know, we got it. We got to go to Minnesota this week, clinch it. They can clinch it. They can win it either way. Uh, but you always baby. want to bring the axe home. You always want to bring the axe home. And I, I think we're going to do it. I think they hit Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz looked really good this this week. Uh, he's been playing a lot better. Uh, hit some. Yes, he, he's hit some outside passes. He's not just relying on eighty four. Um, Kendrick Pryor dropped a beautiful pass that was forty yards down the field, right on the sideline. Um, Shipper dropped. Yep, Shipper dropped a, a out pass that was going to go for a first down. Um, Jack so Dunn had one that he awful. fell down at the line right yeah, before so the they're, line. They're really right there. And, uh, um, wouldn't be surprised if they, if, you know, turn around, if their defense is in tip top shape, come what, two weeks from now and they're playing Ohio state or Michigan and they somehow get to that fourth quarter with a shot. And you're talking about a team that has nothing to lose. And somehow Paul Chris can find um, a, a, a squeaky play here and there, where whether it's a reverse or or uh, whatever kind of trick play that he would try that you would never expect out of Wisconsin uh, with a shot to win it. You never know. They don't have anything to lose. So uh, well, let's hope. Let's start with Axe Week first, boys. Yeah, take care of the Axe. Bring that back home. Only once in the time of Twitter has Minnesota won it. I can't. I found. I came across that because I was searching through, um, you know, the the app Time Hop, looking through my Time Hop today, <clears throat> and I came across a tweet that says, "In the existence of Twitter, Minnesota has never been able to tweet that we won the axe, and they won it. Like I think they ended up winning it that year. Ironically, a little bit of a jinx at that one, but hmm. but." Just coming across that. Um, so we got good stuff on Badger football. Badger basketball, as Justin mentioned, huge win today. They were down 16 at one point early in the first half. Came back, had a one-point lead at halftime, and then ended up winning by 11. Uh, just an incredible, resilient game 
by that Badger basketball team that'll bode them well throughout the season. And I, I got to interrupt Justin. I just, we just watched Tom Brady run like the slowest like five yard scamper. That was not slow. That was four or five speed right there. Oh my! From the top of Bay of Rockland. And the, so the five the five yard run. The five yard run Tampa was four point five speed. That's how long it took him to run the five yards. I love Tom Brady. Yeah. But that was really exciting that we had a we had a little silent moment here in the studio. There's only a few athletes I love more than Tom Brady. There was not there was nothing exciting about it. It was no. Tom Brady. <laughs> like I said, what are you was, talking about? Tom Brady's the in the field is exciting. Five yard scamper. You're gonna watch the goat. With a high baseball slide, like a dirty baseball slide, with that getting that cleat up. I don't know if you saw that, Rams. Yeah, no, it's Tom Brady, man. The stallion. So had to interrupt that. Uh, Badger or the Bucks report or uh, what the Buck? They're above five hundred. I mean, Giannis was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So all good, all good there. That's all I really got. Yeah, all it's NBA was, basketball. It's pretty it's hard November. to watch right now. Yeah, um, like, it's, unless you're okay, watching. It's like talking about baseball in May. Unless you're watching the 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 melee. Of the Pistons Lakers last night. Huge LeBron fan. Yeah, LeBron. That was pretty no- dirty. I'm a noogie for LeBron. He's a dirty, dirty man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a phrase. That was that a is. phrase. <laughs> no, no. No, that stays. That stays. That stays. <laughs> this show sucks. <laughs> yeah, so I'm even dying that 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 was stupid. <laughs> no, nah, it was a dirty play though. Like, what what is he doing? Why? What's the you point? know? I I'll give him I'll give LeBron the benefit of the doubt though. That's pretty much his first dirty play I can remember in the last 17 years of his NBA career. We can probably give him the pass. It's like the second. Is it the second time he's been injected? Ever in 17 years. I think we'll give him the pass and the benefit of the doubt on that. Well, he only plays 30 games a year. That is not true. That's a bad take. I think though. he's only played, I don't think he's ever played less than 30. Maybe last year when they didn't have a full 82, but. Yeah, no, LeBron, traditionally speaking, he's has played all, he's played not 82, but he's played 78 pretty much his entire career. He's been hurt twice. I mean, that's terrible. That's like saying Tom Brady's bad. (laughs) Awful, awful take, Justin. Hating on LeBron like that. That's like saying that Tom Brady sucks. I, I just can't fathom like saying that LeBron's not good. Like you don't have to like the guy, but to he's not good. He's not really like. He's not special anymore. Are he's you good, shitting he's me? Good, he's a good basketball player. But at this stage in his career, he's not special anymore. That's he's a special false. leader. He's a special leader. But he's I not could, special I could make anymore. an argument right now that LeBron is a top three player in the league. Not anymore. Who's your third player? Two years ago, yes. Who's the third? I mean... I think we can all probably agree that Giannis is probably the best overall player in the league as of right now. KD. I wouldn't say that. I would say KD. Okay, so KD, Giannis, and Steph. 
LeBron, right. you could make an argument to me that LeBron's a better player than Steph Curry is. As of Devin sitting Booker? today, LeBron's better than Devin Booker. That's not a question. Not today? Yeah, it is. Kawhi? LeBron's as good, if not better than Kawhi. Uh, see, I don't agree with any of that. Kawhi like, doesn't play. He is not, he's not special. Kawhi is not special. Anthony Davis. LeBron's better than Anthony Luka. Davis. LeBron's Luka. better than Luka. See, the issue with no we just talked about Luka and Anthony Davis, those two are very one-dimensional players. And Yeah, but so is Giannis. Giannis plays both ends. And honestly, at, in okay. big man touchdown, big man tire. Um, but in today's NFL or NBA, you have to play both sides to be considered a great player or be extraordinary at one. I would say LeBron's extraordinary at both. Maybe not in an 82 game season, but in a seven game series, that is definitely the case. I guess we'll agree to disagree. I just, he, to me, he's lost it. He's lost a step. LeBron down a step, though, is still a top three, top five NBA player. Yeah. Hands on. I would say he's top 10. There's there's not five players better in the league. Somewhere between five and 10. Ooh. I don't know. It's just the reality of father time, guys. It's taking him out. It's like Chris Paul isn't the best point guard in the league anymore. Right? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say Chris Paul's the best point guard in the league. I don't. I mean, yeah, he probably was at one point, but it was a very brief window where he was actually the best point guard anyway. But I mean, no way. If we really think about people that could consider Chris Paul as maybe. The greatest point guard of this, of this time, of of his twenty years. I'd probably agree with that statement. As a whole, the body of work, sure. If we're talking about true point guards, though, Damian Lillard's not a true point guard. Damian Lillard's a two. Steph Curry is a two. two. So we're talking point guard, point guard. Yeah, Chris Paul's probably the best point guard in the league right now. Luca's probably the best point guard in the league right now, right? Luca's a two. The, so the if we're talking about point, there's there if you we probably have the same argument about LeBron. I was gonna say LeBron's probably the best point guard right now. Yeah. We're being we're being honest. No, sure LeBron's not even the best on his team. Ooh, LeBron's yeah. better than Russell Westbrook. Ugh. that's not even close. <laughs> don't do don't you no, dare I mean, bring that best up. Best player on his team. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation, guys. I don't. I disagree. He's not with that the best too. player on his team. I think he is. Anthony so. Davis is a better player than LeBron. Anthony Davis is in the prime. Yeah, but what did Anthony Davis win before LeBron? He had what one playoff series? What has LeBron ever won without anybody doing it for LeBron? He made it to a finals. LeBron almost Kyrie almost won the finals oh. with. He he almost won that finals without Kevin Love, without Kyrie, and Matthew Delvadova being his starting point guard. Hey, almost won that I'm gonna finals. Take you, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you the Ramsey line. 
What's the Ramsey line? Putting rings, our children. Doesn't matter. The, Doesn't, the only thing that matters are rings and trophies, baby. What does anyone want Almost without another star? Oh, uh, it's only a horseshoe to the hand grenade, guys. He sucks. What does any other NBA star want without another NBA star? I'm just telling you. I mean, Larry Bird played with, what, four or five Hall of Famers at one point in 1986. Magic Johnson played with four Hall of Famers. Michael Jordan played with three. Kevin Durant played with three three or four. Tim Duncan played with two or three. Four at one point. LeBron's done it with less talent than all those guys have. You can't do it anymore. I don't know about that. People are calling the Lakers out. That I would not want to play that team oh, they, when it they comes. Might not even make, they might not even make the playoffs. Oh, Justin. All right, moving on. Yeah, let's talk some Packers. <laughs> I'm just telling you, the, the record don't lie. You are what your record says you are. In November. Not the Bucks in the ain't very good. The Bucks ain't very good. And they'll be a playoff in November. team. And they'll probably be in the Eastern Conference Final. Maybe. All right. So how about the Packers, huh? Yeah, let's talk some Packers here. <laughs> so I know, Ramsey, you were really fired up about this. Packers, obviously, they lose 34-31. <laughs> lose to the Minnesota Vikings. Kind of keep their season alive. Not by much, but enough. Uh, Packers fall to 9-3 and on the season and have a <laughs> tough game to come back against the Rams at home before the bye which really could not come at a better time. Um, today the news came out, Elton Jenkins done for the first, you know, probably the next 12 months as well, tore his ACL. Uh, LaFleur said David Bakhtiari will not play officially this week and will be reevaluated after the bye. So he's out for this week against the Rams. You, lo- you were without Rashawn Gary. You're without Aaron Jones this last week. Without Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard out this week. You're still without Zadarius and Jair. Just kind of limping into the bye, which a week ago we probably wouldn't have talked that much about. I mean, we were talking about how much needed it was coming up. But I think this weekend really kind of put that into perspective. So Packers, again, like I said, going to limp into the bye. Uh, Hopefully they can get a win against the Rams. Before we get into the Rams preview... Let's kind of talk about the loss to the Vikings. Um, I know that Justin had some fired-up takes here about the quarterback. Ramsey had some fired-up takes about a certain cornerback and a certain kicker. And I'm sure I have some takes here, too. So with that, where do we even (coughs) begin to unpack it? Like I said, 34-31 loss. Packers defense kind of had their biggest stinker since the Saints game. I would say that the issue that we had on Sunday has been the issue that we've been questioning pretty much all season is how good is our secondary minus Jair Alexander. And well, let's, let's even, just to, not to interrupt here, but really the depth as a team as a whole. Because when there were times where you're running Jonathan Garvin and Tip, Tipa Nalaihi, Nalea, as your two Nalei. thank you. As your two edge rushers. Right. And Nalei, I mean, he had some plays, so there was a lot of good, but there was some not so good. 
Well, I think I don't think the depth's the issue, and I say that due to the fact that we were missing six starters and we played a tough Minnesota game or team in Minnesota to the final play. And let's let's take that. I mean, they're five and five now in the year. Probably the best five and five team in the NFL right now. Well, and that we were talking about this earlier, but that was a must win game for Minnesota. They had to win. That was their season on the line. If they lose that game, Green Bay is basically locks the division up. Right. Already, the season they're ten and two, and yep. Minnesota would be four and six. Right. Or they'd be uh, nine and two. Excuse me. And Minnesota would fall to four and six. Four and six. And not that that's a death sentence for Minnesota, but that's a it's up, a death sentence to Minnesota. It's a just up, not the execution. It's an uphill climb. So that was a must-win game for Minnesota, and I, I was like, I didn't even think about that yesterday when I woke up. I'm like, you know, Green Bay's dinged up, going into a must-win game on the road in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's probably not looking good. Right. So that entire first half, and even going into the third and fourth quarter, I'm like. I'm pretty impressed that we've made it this far in this game today. With And granted, I think that there were two plays in particular that cost me made the game. There's probably three, actually. I think Matt LaFour had on the third one today. But like I said, I think the secondary is probably the biggest question mark that we've had. And again, Eric Stokes gets lost in coverage. On Justin Jefferson, oh. and couldn't use his speed to make up for it. Can't you can't make up for, mis- and he was in position the entire play, until he almost like I said he got lost in coverage, and Justin Jefferson goes in for a touchdown. Like we, you can't do that when you're playing high level football games like well, against was. higher high end receivers. And to his credit, to Eric Stokes' credit. He has locked down some big-time wide receivers this season. Right, but there's about once a game. well. There's about once a game, though, where he's been getting lost in coverage. Right. And that was his not coming out of college was that tremendous athlete sometimes gets lost in coverage. Right. So that's not been corrected yet. And that's an issue. And especially with Jair at this point, who we really have no update on. Aside from last week, like we said on the show, you're hoping he comes back at some point, but that's that's really it. Right. You're thinking maybe after the bye. You're hoping maybe after the bye and kind of scratching your head from there. I mean, that's not kind of how we are with the majority of the team right now, though. Hey, we hope they come back after the bye, but we're kind of scratching our head and holding, hoping that we make it through the Rams game and get into the bye and come back and look a lot better. But I don't. I don't even, like I said, I think Green Bay is fine. Yesterday is not a great, if that's about as good of a loss as you can have, you played against probably an all-time performance by Justin Jefferson. That was probably Kirk Cousins' best game as a pro. Mm -hmm. And you played him to within three points, which going back to the other nugget is, we talked about this after the Cincinnati game on how we need to get the King situation taken care of because this is a Super Bowl-level team that has a kicker who's 70% of the season and we can't afford to give points up, especially when you're a Super Bowl-level team and Mason Crosby continues to miss kicks. And, you know, so I'm glad we brought this up because, and I wanted to ask you guys about it because 
there are very much instances. I, the biggest being the Chiefs game two weeks ago was the most notable, where you had a bad hold, really bad hold on on the first kick he missed there, and then the second one bad snap with a bad hold that led to the block. Okay, but that doesn't make up for the other. What ten field goals he misses here? No, but that—that's kind of what he, I was going to say. Is like two for what is it? Two for seven. On his last seven, he's like two for seven. Yeah, we can't. No, I I agree. It's like, not, there's something very much going on right now. Um, the and I, not that's good. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask: is do you think it's just a matter of him being washed? Do you think he's yeah. trying to overcorrect? Yeah. From these other issues that aren't necessarily maybe an issue anymore. Like the one yesterday, and, and I'm, this is kind of where I was going with this. You look at that missed kick he had yesterday, dunks it off, what was it called, 40-yard kick, something like that. Yeah. And and I, I never really knew this until I heard it on Pat McAfee's show. Pat talks about how you can tell if a kicker got the contact they wanted or if they didn't. Um, and how you can tell is the flight path of the ball. And specifically... If it's an end over end, like perfect, like kind of like, like a lowercase i, okay, that'll mean that they hit the ball the way that they wanted to, and that they got good contact on their foot, good hold, good snap, right. perfect contact. When you see it, kind of, he described it as a J, where it's kind of sideways or you know it's end over end still, but not mm-hmm. directly. There's a little bit of a loop to it, or a J L type deal is where they missed the contact. So my question, and this is where I'm kind of thinking here, is Mason just, again, is he washed in his contact point? Is he trying to overcorrect from these these bad snaps, these bad holds that have been there throughout the year, and now maybe they aren't an issue, and maybe he's just anticipating that they will be? Is it a combination of both? Because really, since I've heard that, I haven't seen him have a whole lot of good contact all year. Okay, but who's that on though? That's that's what I'm saying. That's my question. I don't think that we can just continue to blame bad snaps, bad holds. I mean, you might be able to get rid of one or two, but then we're still where's the other ten that he's missed? Like that's what I'm saying. At this point, on a and the real issue with the whole thing is that there's not that much else out there that you would feel well, right. safe that's, bringing in. That's the the ultimate issue is that. You, what you have is probably better than what's out there. But see, I don't even know that. I mean, we're talking. I think what Cody Parkey's still out there. Pittsburgh just released a kicker. I'm fairly certain yeah, that dude. I'm fairly certain that you can be more than seventy percent. I'm pretty sure Cody Parkey could be more than seventy percent. Mm-hmm. I don't think at this point there's any way they're going to get rid of Crosby. They might bring their old snapper back. They might try to. Uh, you know, try him out again, bring him back, and, and see if they can recreate what was there last year. But I don't think there's any way they're going to bring in a new kicker this year. But at well, this point, can you trust Mason in really any category? Like, even let's just say Green Bay gets the ball back against Minnesota. Let's say Savage gets the pick. Right. Do you really trust Mason in that situation? I don't. Well, no, not with two minutes left. I mean, even getting down there, because, you know, two minutes, they're going to run the ball three or four times and then kick a field goal. Yeah. 
But do you trust Mason with that kick? Like I said, I know in a I'm tie game. In a tie game, mentally, I do. maybe not. If I, if you ask me, if I, I trust him in his mental state, thinking that he can make it, absolutely, hundred percent. I truly think that he, he's very good at big time kicks. He, he really is. And right, his, but his track record proves that. Okay, so. but track record doesn't mean anything when you're 70% of the year. Like, I get it. I get what you're saying. And would I like to say one yes? Kick. You're talking one kick. I'll take my chances with him. But do you... Now, I, I don't disagree with you. He's been very bad. And, and at the end of the year, going into um, next year, they're going to have to either ask him to retire or... Bring in some stiff, stiff competition. But I don't think there's any way they're getting, they're making a change of that caliber right now. They should, though. They should. That's, and I think that's the issue with the organization as a whole. If Mason, not, if Mason Crosby didn't, but you can't tell me there's not a free agent kicker out there that can't hit 75%. I think you. I think what they should do is bring in a free agent kicker, put his ass on the practice squad. They have one on the practice squad. I'm pretty sure right now, don't they? That's what I'm saying. I mean, well, we, he's obviously not very good. I know for a fact that there's a practice the squad kicker that can go 75. percent That's the issue, and that's. I guess at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about too. Is it, are they going to be really good yeah, in but clutch situation? Yeah, that guy have a job already. Wouldn't that guy have one of the 32 jobs out there already? I mean, think about it. If he's that good, wouldn't he already have that job? To be, uh, But not that good. It's not like we're talking about a kicker that has to be 90%. Like, and Mason, through his career, has been, what, I, what I've said before, mid to low 80s, which that's probably acceptable. We're talking that Mason's around 70% today. I guarantee there's a free agent kicker that can go 70%. Oh, yeah. I, I would just lean with, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that that guy would have a job? I mean, so over here's, some of these other kickers. Here's the, change the kicker they have on the practice squad is who was on the preseason roster is J.J. Molson. At UCLA, he was 51 of 74, which is 68.9%. Why do you even keep that guy on your practice squad? That's a good question. So that's you're never gonna you're never gonna bring that guy up. Right, he's gonna start I mean, your practice squad. Say, yeah, say Crosby tears a quad. You're not bringing that guy up. No, you're gonna go get a free agent to be your kicker. You're right. So what the hell is that? I don't disagree. That I'm just looking at the stats. The thing with Mason Crosby, though, too, is, and for the most part, the organization as a whole doesn't talk about it all that much either. Like they I love him. They trust him. I haven't really heard any. Loves him. I haven't heard really any media even talking about Mason Crosby missing that kick yesterday, and that three points is huge yesterday. Like that was probably it, it is. So he cost us a game there. It is in the sense of. When the game was 24-23, it is in that sense because the game should have been 27, and you're playing a totally different style of defense right. at that point. Yep. So Mason cost the game yesterday. 
He damn near cost that game wow. in Cincinnati. If it wasn't for the last one, Cincinnati being Cincinnati, and also having a terrible game. Mason Crosby, by the way, is sixty-five percent on the year. Even worse. That's not, so might as well bring the practice squad guy up. He's sixty-eight percent at UCLA. And but that's the thing though. Even I say all that, but I don't even know if I trust anyone else. That's the issue. Like, I know Mason's been good for so long that it's like, I mean, this is a guy who last year was one hundred percent, who the year before was twenty two of twenty four, and thirty of thirty seven the year before that. So you look at one hundred ninety one and eighty one. Even eighty one's not that great. No, but then you also look at, I mean, and I know we've done this in a different episode, but he had a year where he was, 2017 was 78.9. He had 2012 where he was 63.6. But he should have been fired in 2012, though, too. No, that was 2013, I thought. I'm, I'm looking at it right Are now. Are you looking at it right now? You got to question me when I'm looking at stats. Oh, that was the 16 and one year was 2011? Yeah. Uh, okay. By the way, that year was 85.7, 24 of 28. And I'm fine with 80 plus. I'm only asking for 80%. We're at 15 points below that. Yeah, you can't have that. But like you said, though, I don't know what other direction you go. Today, I don't think there's really many other options. You're kind of committed at this point. You're not going to be able to, you can't trade for one. Nope. And you can't. There's not really another option at this point unless someone gets dropped or or unless Cody Bohorquez who or Corey Bohorquez who you've, you've been having just as a weapon and as a punter all year if he can pick up kicking field goals out of nowhere. It's, no. It's bombs punting, so I mean maybe. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I guess that's probably about as good of a loss as you can take probably in the NFL was yesterday. Every time Minnesota did something, Green Bay answered back. Green Bay, in my opinion, was probably the better team. There was two, and then there was, what, the 12 men on the field? They had the 12 men on the field. And that was a huge point in the game, The rough and the passer yep. on Kingsley Kiki, um, on one of the Two should have been Darnell Savage interceptions yesterday. That and, dude should be leading the league in interceptions this year. And really, I, I said this before on uh, when me and Eric were chatting. I know that this isn't right when I say it, but that Darnell Savage should have been a pick, the second one. I mean, he had the ball, he was down, and then the ball comes out. Just because he didn't make a football move, which is the most subjective objective, yeah. Objective rule. It was more of a pick right than now. the Kevin King pick was last week. And like I said, it was it was it was close, but it wasn't. It by the NFL rule, it's not a catch. But up to this point in my life, it's been a catch. So I don't know why. Well, and let's. I think the biggest thing to remember with that, and the the most head scratching part of it, is that it was originally ruled a catch. So you have to see conclusive video evidence that, without a doubt, to overturn that. And like I said, I mean, I guess by the NFL rule, by the way the rule is written, yes, it's probably right. But at the end of the day, though, I still think that should be considered interception. 
I know that's probably hindsight looking back on it from a Packer fan, but he had control of the ball. He went down to the ground, his knee hit, and they rule it incomplete because he didn't make a football move. That doesn't seem right to me. Like that, I just I, I don't understand. Is this how Cowboys fans felt a couple years back? Probably. Yeah, probably exactly. But I, I know. I, and I know I sound bitching about it, but still, I, I, I hate the fact that the NFL's got this. This has been this messed up for on what five a, years on now, what a catch six is. years now. If you have, and I think it should go back just because we overreacted the Calvin Johnson rule, which that was also a catch. It very much was a catch. But if you have control of the ball going down to the ground and you're down by contact, that should be the end of the play like it was before, and that would have been a catch. But we have to we have to review every single thing and get every single thing right because I don't know. Just cost games for people and I don't know. What'd you think of Justin? Well, I I thought he caught it. I thought he was down with possession with his knee down. I think that that was pretty clear. Um I don't know how you rule it anywhere different, but you know, part that could be the part of my heart that is biased as we have that game wrapped up if if that happens. I was more or less more upset with um the just Justin Jefferson touchdown, um, where Cousins just threw it up basically just to give Jefferson a shot but a blatant push off that, you know, pretty much sent Stokes to the ground. Um, there are not, you're not, this is the inconsistency of, this is what I hate about being or watching um, defensive players in coverage. They cannot as much touch a receiver 10 to 15 yards down the field, um, playing with their back to the ball, forcing the defender to make a play on a ball, forcing a defender to turn his head to see the ball when these receivers can pretty much do whatever they want. And I'm going to stop right here and tell you that the Packers are just as guilty in, in situations. And even the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams, does this. But as bad as that was with no one else, both of them on an island to blatantly push the guy pretty much down on the ground, get away with it and no flag to be thrown um, is the one that really, really upset me. Uh, I think we touched on that in our group chat. That was about as blatant as it could be. Um, You know, you got to feel for Darnell Savage. The guy had three interceptions on the day. And none of them counted. <laughs> so, you know, you, you you can talk all you want about how great Kirk Cousins was, but you know, how many touchdowns does he take away if if yeah. he doesn't get hit in the head because he changes his level of throwing to get hit in the head by Kinsley Kiki? Um, what you know, Darnell Savage makes a pick there. He he makes a pick and it gets overturned. So you know. I wasn't too excited with the whole, you know, even the, the Hockley crew, which is definitely 
one of the top crews in football, even something as simple as right away in, in the first quarter when they called a, a too quick of a head nod on Lucas Patrick snapping the that ball. That was awful. That was probably was the awful. that was one of the worst calls I've seen in an NFL game. Yeah. I'm, I'm not usually one to bag on the refs. I've tried to avoid <laughs> that as I've as I've gotten older. But I'm sitting there, you're watching that. No one on earth thinks that's a call. Right. Except the officiating crew and Everson Griffin, apparently. Everson Griffin's a right. pretty bad. He got he got had by Aaron Rodgers and somehow gets to be right. And then somehow lines up in the neutral zone the next play. Right. Right. And, you know, these phantom holding calls that have that, that really costs them when, when you would make a, a semi-decent play to, you know, it just felt like we were up against it all day. Green Bay. Um, I, I heard this on really the radio broadcast. I heard this on the radio broadcast. Yesterday. Green Bay is the second least penalized team in the NFL. And I think even entering like midway through the third quarter or into the fourth quarter, they had like 10 penalties for 90-some yards or something like that. Yeah. Just an absurd number from, I mean, you know no. going into a rivalry game that they're going to probably look things a little closer and that Mike Zimmer is going to bitch and bitch and bitch and they're going to have their points of emphasis for that game and yada, 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 but... On the flip side, I will say this. Kenny Clark did get away with a face mask on Dalvin Cook. That was pretty blatant. So, the first play of the game. You know, there, there was, yeah, there was some give and take, but there was a lot more give on our part, I felt, in that game. That, but the, the one that really stands out is the blatant push-off by Jefferson on Stokes at the end of the game that, you know, cinched it for him. Which Justin Jefferson's pretty talented, though. I will give him that. Justin Jefferson. Oh, sorry. Green Bay was eight of ninety-two. Green Bay had eight penalties for ninety-two yards, which insane compared to three for twenty-five for Minnesota. I know, and that it's. I'm not overly worried about the game. I think I said this earlier. It was. uh, Well, no. It was a game that I'm like, okay, if this, if we're gonna lose one, this is probably the game we're gonna lose, and that's it is what it is. You never feel good about going to Minneapolis and playing ever. That is a, a tough, tough play. That's I would, I would uh, equivalent that to playing in Seattle with how loud it is, how tough of a situation that is, especially when they are your arch rival. I mean, they are more your rival nowadays than Chicago is. And you're talking about Chicago green Bay being the oldest Played rivalry in what professional sports or all professional, professional sports? Football. So, you know, you talk about Minnesota and in Green Bay, you're talking about the last 25 years. This has been, you know, hand in hand. So that is a tough place to play. That is, that is one every year you look at. You go there, and and you put a question mark on it even when when you went back to the old dome and, and they had astro turf that was there was always a question mark so yeah and for what it's worth green bay is still what four games up in the division three 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 wins so that's a pretty that's a pretty sizable gap right there too um Yep. But, you know, you got to beat the Rams. You got, 
you you got to go to Baltimore. You get Cleveland. So it's not. It's not a done deal it. by any means, but. Just got to take care of business the next few weeks and everything yeah, should work you gotta out. Got to get freaking healthy. Yeah. Minnesota's got to play the Rams yet. Uh, they've got Green Bay one more time yet. They've got two against the Bears, which I wouldn't be surprised if they split. They do have the Steelers yet and the 49ers yet. They've got San Francisco this week. They'll go to Detroit, host the Steelers on Thursday, on a short week. Then they're in Minnesota, or they're in Chicago, home for the Rams, in Green Bay, and home for Chicago to end the year. That's the remaining schedule for the Vikings. So, I mean, I'm not concerned about the Vikings. They're... I think my biggest concern of the season is just it's honestly the health. I think that's a bigger question mark than than any team in this division. And really, I mean, aside from maybe Tampa Bay, any any team in this conference well, is how healthy can Green Bay become beginning of January. And even for what it's worth, I think Tampa Bay is the only team we have to worry about. I watched Dallas last night, and they struggled way too hard against a very mediocre Kansas City defense. And it it's a very traditional Mike McCarthy-style team of they look really good against bad teams. As soon as they play a team that's as good as they are, they get pushed around a little bit. And Kansas City never had any doubt that they were the more physical team yesterday. <coughs> they were out jumping around, yapping back and forth. They were Dallas was never really in that game. I mean, they were, but they weren't. They were on the scoreboard, but they weren't if you're watching the game on the eye test. Dak Prescott is a good leader. I think we can all agree. The arm talent, though, is a pretty big question mark on what he can actually do with a football. Like watching Dak last night to watching Tom Brady tonight, they're not in the same conversation of arm talent. Tom Brady's 44. It's that Dallas team, I think, is... They go as far as Zeke goes. If Zeke has a good game running the ball... They'll be okay. If a team can kind of lock down on him, then you're going to force Dak to beat you. And to this point, we've seen that he necessarily, doesn't necessarily have the ability to do that. Not at this point, necessarily. I mean, right. And Dak is the, it's very similar to Baker Mayfield in the fact that when the team is playing well and you have everything available, they can win games. But as soon as stuff starts going a little bit sideways, they're not talented enough to carry the team over like the Aaron Rodgers do, like the Tom Brady's do, like the Patrick Mahomes do. When stuff's not going well, they can make a play happen. So the NFC in general, I don't see another team. Well, really, I, to be honest with you, it's really going to def- depend on how you feel about the Rams and how you feel about the Cardinals. I the think, Cardinals are still winning games with Colt McCoy at the helm. Which, by the way, hats off. I, I wish I would have used this in one of my root firms earlier. Colt McCoy probably had the best game of his NFL career yesterday. Yeah. And who would have thought that, what, 10 years after he's come out of, the, or out of college, that he'd be having his best game now? Well, and for what it's worth, I mean, I think the Rams are very top-heavy. 
I don't think that team's deep enough to actually contend coming. The Rams, I think, and we'll see more of it this week. You know, now that they'll have a bye week to kind of get all the pieces lined up. But the Rams are the team that you make on Madden. And you put all these big names on a team. And on a video game, you win a Super Bowl. But I don't know if you win that in real life. I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I don't see a couple injuries, an injury to Jalen Ramsey, an injury to Aaron Donald, and injury injury to Cooper Cup. We even saw it last week with Robert Woods. That that offense looks completely different once you take one of those weapons away. Well, and in Matthew Stafford, you know, as good of a quarterback as he is, and very probably still underrated quarterback as he is. With him, it's kind of the same recipe as Patrick Mahomes, where if you sit back and shell cover two, they don't have a running back to beat you. Nope. I mean, they'll have a guy who can be pretty decent between the tackles. But then you'll have a guy, you know, you'll you'll want Matt Stafford because he's not patient enough. I don't think Matt Stafford's patient enough. If you can contain, not stop, but you can contain Cooper Cup, you know, we still have yet to see what Odell Beckham Jr. is in 2021. And no Robert Woods. I mean, you still have Van Jefferson. But what is he without, you know, because he's been the third option that yep. because you've been having to put so much focus on Woods and Cup, Cup, how good is Jefferson? We don't know yet. You still have a pretty decent tight end in Higby. But he's not what he was two, three years ago. Nope. So if you can play, and I, I'm not a big fan of defenses playing conservatively as a whole, but if you can play conservatively in your in your defensive backfield and get a little bit of a rush on Stafford to where he's maybe questioning a decision. Maybe he's wanting to take that shot because he thinks the shot's there if you can disguise the coverage good enough. I mean, you have some very... That's a very shaky team when you really kind of break that one down. Mm-hmm. So I think, the, I, like I've said, I think the NFC at this point's down to a two-horse race. Uh, Tampa Bay or Green Bay... And it's really going to be who gets healthy first. And I think it's going to be a great man. I really do. Because even tonight, you know, we're sitting here watching Monday Night Football. And this is a team that took, I mean, a Giants team that took Kansas City to the brink for what they were worth. I mean, this is also Kansas City three, four weeks ago. But took Kansas City to the, the final play. That is, I mean, they're kind of matching shot for shot with Tampa Bay right now and kind of just getting in their own way. Right. So, and this is a Tampa Bay team that did lose to Washington last week, which, say what you will, they matched up very well against them in the playoffs. You know, this is, you know, that almost cost Tom Brady a Super Bowl. Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. And just that, I mean, even without Chase Young, who goes down to the injury last week, still a very stout defensive unit. Yes. As a whole. So, I mean... You're seeing some of the the top heaviness, you know, kind of Madden element of the Buccaneers even right now, where they're kind of looking a little bit back to the mean. They look a little bored, to be honest with you. That even could be tonight, it too. they don't look all the way invested. Yeah. And the, I, I'm going to guess with Tampa Bay, you'll see it turn on a little bit coming down the stretch here. Which... But that's what we said about Kansas City last year. How many times? How and and not saying that this is going to be the case with Tampa Bay, but this is what happened with Kansas City last year, is they weren't able to turn it on. They made a Super Bowl. They, they did turn it on. 
they turned it on enough yeah. to win the AFC last year. That's still, I mean, I don't think the Tampa Bay team we're seeing right now and the Kansas City team from last year, there's some major differences. This Tampa Bay defense is still really good. Their secondary has just been in shambles for the last six weeks. They're starting to get healthy. Um, so this defense of Tampa Bay, I think, is going to be a lot better coming down the stretch. And Tampa Bay can at least run the ball. Kansas City has still been yet to show Do they even have a running back? I mean, uh, Edwards Hilaire came back yesterday. I mean, but do they but, even have a running back? So, well, Damian Williams is—he's played well. Christ, I think the other the other night, the Monday night football game, he had like nine receptions for 101 yards or something like that. He, he's played well. I was just more making fun of Kansas City because I don't run the ball. Oh. I I understand they have running backs. I I I I agree with you guys mostly on the NFC. I would say the AFC is the bigger question. Um, you know, you you've got you know who looked like right right away now losing Derrick Henry, but right away that uh, Tennessee was looking like they were running themselves out as the by far and away the best team in the AFC with with, but then you go and lose to Houston, you know, and then now what's going on with Buffalo who was early in the season just lighting it up. Now they're six and four. They're a wild card team. All of a sudden, this emerging, young, great, futuristic quarterback who looks like an old quarterback that's played there is lighting the league up. He's forcing his way into the playoffs. Mac Jones with the New England Patriots are leading the AFC East division. They are ahead of Josh Allen. And the Buffalo Bills, Mac Jones, the best quarterback to come out of this draft class, is lighting this league up. He's going to go to the AFC Championship game this year. It's a bold take. <laughs> you know what team I'm, I think? I think the team that I'm most kind of excited to see is... And maybe it's just a little bit of homerism with with uh, our our former Badger running back, but I want to see what the Colts can do if they can make a run here at the Titans in that AFC South. Do you guys all remember when I was defending Carson yeah. Wentz and how he's not a trash quarterback, and literally everybody on the planet was saying that he was, and I was dumb for defending Carson Wentz. I didn't think it worked. There was a lot of people. I got a lot of shit for that. And Carson Wentz good. is not the issue. Like he was not the issue in Philadelphia. I think that's pretty you know obvious. What they, you know, you you know what the what they figured out in, in Indianapolis is giving Jonathan Taylor the ball thirty two times a game. They figured it out. Get the ball out of Carson Wentz's hand and put it in Jonathan Taylor's hands, and you'll win football games. Keep the ball in Carson Wentz's hands, and you're going to lose football games. They figured out the recipe. It wasn't that hard. I don't think that's true. Carson Wentz hasn't thrown an interception in what, or one interception in the last. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, Carson well, Wentz. What, you'd I'm have to, to go back it. and ask how many times he's averaging throwing the ball over the last couple of games, over this um, win streak. What are, right they're now. over what, 
three. Three three wins in a row? Four? Are you looking it up here? I'm looking, I'm looking it up too. Carson Wentz, uh, 2,400 yards this year, 13th in the NFL, 18 touchdowns, 10th in the NFL, three interceptions tied for third with a QBR of 56.1. That's the, the That's ESPN one. Good. That's the ESPN QBR. His QBR is... That's out say. of 100. That's not the, the quarterback rating that we're used to seeing where it's like out of he's, 150. He's got to be way higher than Around that. 100. Like in the 90s. He's floating around the 100 for a quarterback rating right now. Well, just do the last three, four games. What? How many, how many times is he attempting a pass? In the last five. In his last five games, he threw 20 times against Buffalo. 34 against Jacksonville, 30 against the Jets, 51 against the, the Tennessee Titans, and 26 against the Niners. And they went 4-1 and one in that stretch. Hmm. Losing to who? Tennessee, right? Tennessee in overtime. By three. And he threw an interception. Uh, okay. He threw two. But one very costly pick six, yeah. Right. Keep the ball out of his hands. Run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. You'll win football games. He's not clutch. This is a guy who was almost the MVP. Like, if he wouldn't have torn his ACL, would have been the MVP three years he, ago, four he play, years ago. He plays that whole year. The ran, the Eagles don't make it to the Super Bowl. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's the fact. Big Paul Foles led him all the way. I don't know about that. I mean, that's what happened. I like, bet. you're not wrong. That's what happened, but I don't know about that. I'm telling you. He's not clutch. Name a time he's been clutch. Name a time. I mean, what's his career record? I, I guarantee you he has. This year is what? They're six and five on the year. So, six wins this year already. And everyone wrote him off, though. I'm not. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is. We're not defending him as a future Hall of Famer. No, but he's a serviceable quarterback in the league. There's people that are out there defending Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield is. Career-wise, uh, he is 41, 37, and one. That's not that. That's worse than Kirk Cousins. And honestly, a lot of that comes from the three, eight, and one time as a starter last year, where that <coughs> Philadelphia team was a dumpster fire and a half. Like I said, I'm not here to try to defend Carson Wentz. I'm just saying that Carson Wentz is was not the problem in Philadelphia. I think he was throwing a deck furniture. He was the problem in Philadelphia because he was never available. Over his final three years, two years, three years, he's just not available. And when you're paying a quarterback, that that would be like us paying a rod what he's getting paid, but only having him what twelve games over two seasons. I, I don't know what the actual number was, but he missed almost a whole season, right? 
Yeah, but some of that, ACL? some of that's not his fault, and even really an ACL tear in general is not. That's more but of what, a fluke injury well, versus what, a. Sure, but what is he? What is the knock on Carson Wentz? What's the knock on Aaron Rodgers? The knock little, on Carson Wentz fragile. is injury prone. Aaron Rodgers has prone. the same knock though. A little fragile. Can I you? Mean, re- no, no, he doesn't. Are you sure? I think yeah. Aaron Rodgers is not fragile. Give me a break. Maybe not to the extent that Carson Wentz is, but Aaron Rodgers, he has a little bit of that same knock of hasn't necessarily always been available throughout his career. He's had two seasons where he missed time or significant time (laughs) in 17 years. What are you talking about? Carson Wentz had, what, two in... In like five. Sure. Five. But Aaron had two in a five-year stretch too. I bet you Carson Wentz has missed more time over his five-year career than Aaron Rodgers has missed in his, what, 17-year career? Carson Wentz to this point, and granted, he's on pace to do it this season. Carson Wentz has only played 16 games twice in his career, two out of six years. One was a torn ACL. One, he got benched. Well, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm not playing the injury part. I think I think injury prone as a knock is a terrible take. I, it's it's the reality. It prevents him from being on the field and and putting up Hall of Fame numbers or average numbers, whatever. But but to use that as a knock on somebody, I, I don't I can't quite agree with that. But that's just me. But why? It's a violent it's sport. The NFL, it's the NFL. It's like you're just the luck of you're the not. Job. You know, it's it's not like he's sitting out here, you know, taking. You know, it's not like the NBA where they take rest games or whatever. Dude tore his ACL. Like you're not gonna play with that. You're he had a concussion. You're not gonna play with. It. That's just the reality of the situation. Sure, I might be able to concede they are. Carson Wentz might have been able to avoid some of those hits, but I don't necessarily think that you can necessarily blame him for also being injured either, though. I don't think you can blame anybody for being injured. I'm just saying that the knock on him is that he is injury prone. That's his body. That's him, right? That's not, that speaks nothing to his ability. Anyway. So just to kind of wrap up here, Packers. Carson Wentz sucks. (laughs) Packers Rams this weekend. Packers open as a one point favorite at home, despite the injuries. I don't know. That Rams that Rams team can't run the ball, and really all we have to do is defend Cooper Cup. And it is Stafford coming back. Come on. Be realistic. They're going to lose. They don't have anybody to stop the ball. They only rush four guys at a time when they know they can't get home with what they have. It's a mind-boggling sometimes the way they play. And we talked about this in, in our group chat. If you can't get home with four, you can't defend with seven in a man's zone on the back end. It just, they've proven that over time. Over the whole season, they can't do it. 
when we can force him to get off the center line, the quarterback to get off the center line, avert his eyes, we can do great things all the way around. But when he's able to sit in the pocket, stay on the center line, and read the reads, it's over. Can't can't do it. Can't play defense. You give up 34 points to a shitty Minnesota Vikings team. And they're going to give up a hell of a lot more to a good what are they now? The Los Angeles Rams. That's my rant. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I I don't I think the biggest the biggest question mark is if Rashawn Gary plays. Because if Rashawn Gary's out and you're re- relying on Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin, and Tuleo Nalaya, then you probably are in some trouble. And I will. I don't know if I'd say that they lose, just because I don't believe in the Rams that much. But I would fully admit that you are in some trouble. I don't. You have to have a better game plan for a pass rush to get Stafford off of the center line. That's just all I'm saying. If if we allow him, he's going to eat the Packers up way more than Cousins did. Because I don't think there's a person that's in this in this podcast right now that doesn't agree that Stafford is a far more talented quarterback with far more talented uh, weapons around him than what Kirk Cousins is. I would have disagreed with that. Well, the weapons part, I could see. You I think Justin Jefferson's the, better than Cooper Cup is. I also, I I also think Adam Thielen is better than Robert Woods. Maybe I got a little carried away with my rant. And I don't, I don't. There's no doubt about it that Stafford's better than Cousins. Oh, without a doubt. Are we 100% sure on that, though? I would say Stafford is... Stafford, sure. Stafford might be better. I don't know if it's night and day. I mean, I would say Stafford's probably 10. Kirk Cousins is 13. It's not like we're talking Tom Brady to... I'm curious where you go here. I'm trying to think I'm of a just really swim. bad quarterback right now. It's not the difference. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, yeah. Jared Who didn't Goff start, by the way. Tim Boyle got the start yesterday. The laser completely show. Completely went and over this. Almost pulled it off against uh I hope that Brown. Tim Boyle starts on Thanksgiving Day and knocks off the Bears. Oh, that would be so good. I am rooting for that. that that's what I'm going to – I know where I'm going to jump the gun on this. That is what I'm rooting for this week. But, yeah, so just kind of quick here. Packers – Rams, like I said, I think the big thing is, do you get Rashawn Gary back or do you hold him out another week because you have the bye coming up? <clears throat> Can you get up? I think Justin's right. The biggest thing is going to be pass rush. Can you contain? Can you force Stafford to make a mistake? If you can sit back and force him to make a mistake, I think that votes very well because Green Bay does. I mean, you got to imagine, unless the Lazard injury is worse than we're anticipating. But also, I, I, I take that back. I think the biggest question mark offensively is going to be the offensive line because you know you're not going to have Bakhtiar. You know you're not going to have Elton Jenkins. So you have to go against Von Miller and Aaron Donald. That's a scary thought. Yeah. With Yash Nishman right. and, and I'm not the biggest Lucas Patrick fan in the world. Aaron Rodgers gets the ball out quick enough, though, that... More often than not, yeah. He pretty much neutralizes that pass rush just by himself. And I think A.J. Dillon's a physical enough runner, especially being at home over... that. I God, that should be enough, I would think, to neutralize that pass rush just enough. 
Well, and that's another thing. Where do you hold out Aaron Jones for another week? Probably. If anyone's somewhat injured aside from Aaron, I'm holding them. If we drop I would this, hold out Aaron too. If we drop this game to Why the Rams this week, I don't. If that's not the end of the season, they're fine. Get to the bye week, try to get a little bit more healthy, and come back after the bye and have a really good closing. That's hard. I would, I, I would bargain. What are we really? We're three games up in the division. What are we really playing for in this week? Number one seed potentially. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I think you play Aaron, but Rashawn Gary, I think you sit one more. Aaron Jones, you sit one more. Al Nazard. I don't sit him another. I way. wouldn't disagree with sitting Aaron. Let that toe heal up. Give him two weeks off. Really, really get it going. But with figure it out, what with, do you lose with Aaron? Just one football game. With Aaron, though, you know the, the expectation is that Arizona. he's going to be having this all nagging all year, though. So this isn't something that you're, I mean, you'll get a little. More to the point. More to the point. Rest it. Get it ready for the playoffs. Get it ready for a five-game stretch to where you can really win the one seed. You know Arizona and St. Louis are going to be beating up on each other the rest of the way. Who? Right? I don't I don't Arizona? think I don't think Arizona's gonna beat up on St. Louis at all. Be a really weird NFL accident. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> LA. They should just go back to St. Louis. It's, they were way better in St. Louis anyways. After they just built anyways. that billion dollar stadium. <laughs> well, I'm sure, they're, sure they're going back now. I don't I, what you're saying I don't disagree with. I don't like the thought of potentially not playing starters because you want to get healthy and come up to the bye. However, what you're saying does make sense in the grand scheme of things. It wouldn't be bad to see Jordan Love one more time. It wouldn't necessarily be... It's just one of those things, too, that if you intentionally drop that game, though, and you don't... And you end up needing that game later on, it's gonna look. It's gonna backfire pretty hard. You know, if they if they beat Minnesota and we're sitting here with a nine and two team instead of an eight and three team, I might agree with you. But when you're sitting at eight and three against a seven and three Rams team, I don't know if I can agree with holding Aaron out a week before the bye. And potentially, and not not saying that Jordan Love couldn't get the job done. But potentially having a game that you're kind of conceding. I don't think Jordan Love can get the job done. Probably not, if we're being honest, but that's why I think you gotta play the starters. But I don't hate the idea of letting him sit for two weeks in the middle of the season, get everyone as healthy as they can be, and then come down the homeward stretch. Because like just or Justin's getting at that, they're the Rams are probably going to drop another game or two just in the division. Obviously, they have an issue with San Francisco. They have to play Arizona again. They have to play Seattle yet. So, those are all some losable games if you're looking at it as a Rams fan. They're dropping one of them. Yeah, they're going to drop one somewhere. 
I just and that's the other thing with Dallas though. Dallas is a pretty weak schedule. I don't really know. I'm not a big believer in Dallas. I don't know how much I want to go to Jerry World though and go play a playoff game. Well, I think what you're. I mean, we still have to talk about the fact that and, and they'll probably drop. They'll have to drop at least two. Is that Cardinals team, which now has number they one. They need seed. to drop one. We've got the head to head. Well, assuming you're, but that's also if you decide to tank this game, though, then they'll have to drop two. Which I think is probably going to happen too. There's no way that 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 NFC West might be the best division in football. That or the AFC West, one of those two. Those those are some stout divisions. The most yep. competitive is the AFC North, records wise, anyway. That's not the true. AFC East with the best quarterback, the best young quarterback in the league in Mac Jones. The Rams do very much, just taking a look at their schedule, they very much do have a gauntlet. They got the Packers this week. Um, they do get kind of a quote unquote get right game against the Jags. Then they're. But the Jags have been playing better, though, too. I mean, they're not. They're in Arizona, home for Seattle, in Minnesota, in Baltimore, and then. That week 18 game, home for the Niners, which has been giving them all sorts of fits over the last handful of years. And the Niners are very much in playoff contention. Yeah, they're 5-5 five and five now, too, after their win. And then the Cardinals... Well, I'm just saying, I'm just like... The Cardinals' schedule remaining here, they've got the Bears this week. The Rams, the Lions, the Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks to end the year. That's a pretty weak schedule coming up. That Cowboys game helps, though. Hoping for a tie there. <laughs> so, let's just let's call it what it is. I mean, we look at Packers are a currently set one-point favorite right now. Rams, what do you got? I don't. I don't know how. I don't Give know me the how you can call them a favorite. I'm. That's. I mean, Caesar Sportsbook does. I, don't, I know, but you got so many guys out. <laughs> yeah, I'm so just much saying. You, you sit here attacking me on that. Caesar Sportsbook says they're a one point favorite. That's I'm not. A, I'm not attacking you. <laughs> I'm. It was in general. I. I don't like. I said I don't think the Rams are as good as everyone thinks they are. And they're coming to Green Bay, and Saturday or Sunday is going to be what? As of right now, our weather forecast for Sunday uh, would be 37, partially sunny, mostly cloudy. I don't know how the hell to read this, but but you have an LA team coming to 30 degree weather, low of 25. That's a 3.25 kick, so that is going to be a little on the cooler side from there yet. I mean, that's a pretty good place. I mean. And for a team that hasn't overly run the ball extraordinarily well all year, they've run they've ran the ball okay at stretches. But that's a dome team coming from out west, coming here to play. I don't know, I like Green Bay's chances, I guess. So here's the uh the day the daytime, partly cloudy skies, high of thirty seven, winds northwest at ten to fifteen miles an hour. Into the evening, partly to mostly cloudy, low of 25, winds 5 to 10 miles an hour. So a lot of wind action picking up there, too. And, and we know that Lambeau is very much a funnel for wind. Yep. Give so, me the big back, A.J. Dillon, having a big game. And... 
I think I'm going to go Packers as well. I don't have a reason. I think that they can make Matt Stafford. I think there's enough guys um, in this Packers organization between Lafleur and his know-how and and with Joe Barry being familiar with Jared Goff or with Matt Lafleur being familiar enough with Tim Boyle. No, that's uh, Matt Stafford. I'm going old quarterbacks, and then Detroit. Uh, but with Matt Stafford's know-how and the the exposure to them and Joe Barry's knowledge of that roster in LA it's an I think it's a, just enough of an advantage yep. and I think they they forced Stafford to make one or two ill-timed decisions cuz he wants to throw the ball downfield and Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage Darnell Savage might get his first actual interception of the year that counts sorry had about eight so far this year so I, I'm gonna lean Green Bay. I, obviously, for them to be to win and cover, they'd have to take. You know, that that'd be the Green Bay money line too. One point win. I'll take the Packers. Give me the Rams. I'll take the Rams. All right. Just don't think the Packers are deep enough and. Uh. Cash it in this week. Play for the playoffs. Get healthy for the playoffs. That's my deal. But we all know that A-Rod's going to go. Devontae's going to go. It's going to be boss of the wall. And, ah, how about Josiah DeGuerra catching a pass for a touchdown the other the other night? That was awesome. He's the man. He's. I told you guys that he was going to be something. And finally. Finally, he started the show. So maybe Josiah DeGuerra gets another one. So let's hope. All right. And then just to kind of wrap it up here, Badgers, Minnesota, battle for the axe in Twin Cities. Badgers are seven-point favorite. The 3 o'clock game on Fox. Justin, what are you thinking? Oh, give me the Badgers. Give me Braylon Allen for 250 yards. I heard he's 17. I heard he's give, also 17. Give me the Badgers defense. Holden, Minnesota to single digits. Leo Chanel gets three and a half sacks. Splits a couple with Nick Herbig. Kyle Wilder gets an interception. Caesar Williams gets an interception. The Badgers are winning this game 35 to 9. And that would hit the over to an over under of 39. <laughs> Just hitting it. Perfect. And we're going we're going to Indy to play Ohio State. Although I'd like to play Michigan again and get a run at them again, but we'll play Ohio State. We'll take their asses down. All right, Rams, what do you got? Give me the Badgers. Badgers cover? Badgers cover. Over, under? Give me the under. Ooh. Wait, what's the spread? It's a seven-point spread with an over, under of 39. Okay. You know what? I'm feeling it. I'm going to go Badgers, hammer that seven-point spread, hammer the over, Graham Mertz, finally, he's even on touchdowns and interceptions for the year. 
He's got nine tuds, nine picks. He's got 1,600 yards. Braylon Allen's over 1,000 yards. He probably runs, I don't know if he gets 250, but he probably gets buck 70. Braylon Allen going off. He's 17 years old. He can finally buy Call of Duty. Give me the Badgers. Hammer that down. And with that, we wrap up with what we are rooting for. I already said mine. TBLS to get the Lions the first win on Thanksgiving Day. National audience, first game of the day. Let's go, Tim. <coughs> Ramsey? I'm Ramsey? also going for Tim Boyle. Give me the laser show. I know he's not here, but I wish he was. We got Kurt Banker. I, same energy. Let's go. Can you imagine that quarterback room? Banker, laser show, and some good dude named Rogers. The Jeopardy dude. The Jeopardy guy. Justin, what are you rooting for? Uh, I'm going to go a little soft on you guys here. It's it's Thanksgiving. Um, I hope everybody has a good, safe Thanksgiving. Um, I'm rooting that my wife uh, shot a eight-point buck uh, Sunday morning. She was happier than a, a pig, and you know what? So um, that was a great start to our Thanksgiving week. Um just want to say uh, from all of us and up here that our hearts and our, our thoughts and prayers are with the, the people of Waukesha and, and what what happened, uh, the events with the Christmas parade. Um, I hope those families can find uh, some peace and, and, um, and, and hope those uh, cops really figure out what happened with, with the guy and, and they have the guy in custody. So, uh, just want to say that my thoughts and prayers are with those guys, uh, with those families and, and all the uh, EMTs and emergency and, and first responders and um, just hoping for a, a, a safe and happy Christmas. Enjoy all the sports this week because Did you say Christmas, if you turn on your TV and there's not a sport on, you're not doing it right. So all of that. That's what I'm rooting for. I mean, you kind of took my thunder here. I was going to put the bow on it, you know. Obviously, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy your time with your family. For the hunters, including myself, I finally get to go out this weekend. Uh, good best of luck. Stay safe. Shoot straight. Um, and again, like Justin said, thoughts and prayers to those involved in the Waukesha uh, tragedy down there. So that's the route for Wisconsin show. Tim Boyle Laser Show. Just bring the energy back up here for a second. We've got Tim Boyle Laser Show, Graham Mertz Laser Show. Let's go. Root for Wisconsin episode 50s in the books. We're out. See ya. Bye. Salute.